Hi and welcome to this week's episode of LWDG Pod Dog. This week we're talking about the working dog age race and what we mean by that is the pressure we feel upon ourselves as handlers to get our dogs out doing the best they can in the field as quick as they can. Now all of us do it with the best intention but what happens as a direct consequence is we put a lot of pressure on our dogs. So join us as I speak to the LWDG group experts this week about the working dog age race. started from have the conversation all the time and we see it in our group all the time what age should I teach sit what age should I let them jump along what age what age what age but there's also behind that an almost feeling within the gun dog sport that the quicker you can get your dog to do something the better and that almost a little bit of my dog was field trial champion by 12 months old. My dog was field trial champion champion by six yeah. months old. There's like this almost this like forced feeling that if your dog is not perfect across all commands by the time he's a year old, you are absolutely royally doing a bad job with them. And it's putting excess pressure on the handler. And then as a consequence, a direct consequence, putting adverse pressure on the dog because we are all like pushing 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 because my dog's gotta get out my dog's gotta look good my good dog's gotta be the best and not in a I don't think it comes from ego with anyone I think it comes from we want to we want to feel like we've done the best by the dog so we are all pushing and most of us are pushing at a speed that a is definitely too much for the dog but is b is too much for us as handlers so First of all, what is the best age to do anything with a pup? So for me, every puppy is really different and really unique. And I will work with the puppy. And it has a lot to do with how short attention span that puppy's got, how well they retain the information, how frequently you're training. There's so many things to consider you can't just say you know if I had six puppies in front of me they're not all going to be doing the same thing every day for the next six weeks and finding six weeks they're all at the same place one puppy may be more distracted by than another Um, one puppy might be really keen to learn one might be lazy (laughs) if you can call them lazy You've got to look at that puppy and also take into account the handler and how much experience they've got and what they want to achieve with the puppy as well. Yeah, and I think handlers are a big part of that as well, for especially novice handlers that maybe don't get the timing of things right or haven't quite got the coordination that more experienced handlers would have. They just need to take it slower. And I think the pressure is there when they see other people doing more advanced stuff with a puppy the same age. The temptation is to try and push on but it's it's detrimental because they're going to fail unfortunately but isn't there a case that across all social media platforms I find and again I suppose it's it's my inexperience maybe but I am very aware of the age of dogs when people post about it's very hard to not compare your story to someone else's when that's all it seems to be is this 
this is my dog doing perfectly at this age. Yeah, definitely. And for me, Indy was a very mature young dog. From from the day she turned eight, nine months old, she was very mature, very serious and wanted to work. Rose, my youngest Labrador of the three, she was very slow to mature. And I'm very happy to share her age because I think it gives other people a bit of a more realistic gauge for where you're at you know she's two and a half years old now and really it's only been for me in the last six seven eight months that she's matured enough that I feel like we're on the same page it's not a constant education for her and me having to feel her out every time we start something you know what mood is she in is she feeling silly am I going to have a naughty dog today or is she going to be on the same page I feel now at two and a half years of age I'm actually getting a bit of consistency which is quite nice but I suppose in all of those two and a half years had you compared her to Indy she would have always been behind like you didn't do that but there is that sort of pressure to consistently push 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 and it does seem to be within our sport like it's I think in other sports where dogs compete, it would almost be looked at as a negative thing to be pushing the dog so fast. You know, nobody says to somebody who's competing in agility with a five-year-old dog, oh, that dog's too old for this now. You know, within the gun dog industry, they come to six or seven, we're talking about the end of their days. Whereas in other sports, those dogs starting to, to peak, to hit their understanding, not just their physical ability, their physical development, their muscle development, but also their mental development of knowing what's expected of them. So do you think that this really is a case of the sport breeding this push? Yeah, I, I do. I think this is one of the only dog sports that I see such young dogs being pushed to do a really hard job and um, when they're potentially not mentally or physically ready, I can't think of another dog sport where I actually see that happen. And and you do see it all the time. It's like, you know, my dog's this age, but it's like they're boasting how young the dog is. Whereas I'm saying my dog's are, my dog's two and a half and we've just about got here, you know. Um, but it, I think it's very sad. And I think we can ruin a lot of very good dogs by pushing them when they're not ready mentally or physically. I think Claire is just pretty much sort of not the nail on the head there in that there are many, many good dogs that have been pushed too soon. And because they weren't emotionally and mentally ready, it's then been detrimental to their training from there on in. My One of my most well-spoken phrases probably to clients is, I don't take a dog shooting until they're at least two years old. It might be that they're at 16, 18 months and I'm looking at their training and I'm thinking, you know what, you're almost there. But I know that it would be a hypocritical of me to then take a dog out when I've said to so many people don't do it before too. But I also know that it takes that long for the dog to mature in its own head. I had a dog that was four before he went on a shooting field. He wasn't mentally ready. He did all the training he did um, performances at country shows and game fairs but he couldn't have coped with an actual shoot day 
So he didn't go on a shoot day until he was four. And for him, that meant he could have a really long, happy career out on the shoot field. And I wasn't chasing his tail around because I hadn't pushed him too soon. There's an old saying, if you do two years of training, you get nine years of fun. And if you do two years of fun, or in other words, if you take the dog out too early, then you get nine years of training. And I think actually there is a lot of truth in that phrase. Yeah, because again, like if you look at it, um, I come from a background of horses. I think I fully understand horses far more than I do dogs. And I'm a long way behind on dogs. But you look at horses, like show jumping horses and dressage horses. They are, you look at an 11 and 12 year old horses and say, and you know, they go for lots and lots of money because they they class as being the top of their game. You look at gun dogs and you're like, oh my God, they, they've gone. That's, that's Their time is over. And I look at it and the pressure on young dogs well, who aren't even physically mature because a Labrador doesn't physically mature until it's two years old, like completely. Their skull broaden out, all those things that need to happen to it. So for a lot of the time when a body is changing and developing and becoming this strong dog, we've got them out working their backsides off. If you really think about it, the, a day's work on the field for a gun dog is a hard graft day for a lot of dogs. I mean, for a beating dog, I think they work exceptionally hard for long hours. And for the retrievers, there's a there's a lot of self-control needed for, for your peg dogs or your picking up dogs. So much self-control, which a young dog often hasn't got that element of self-control as well as not being physically and mentally mature yet. But, you know, if you look at, say, agility and we're sort of recommending, you know, you shouldn't when your dog's under a year of age, you shouldn't be having them jumping. Be careful of them with stairs, getting in and out of cars, things like that. Yet then on a shoot day, that dog could be going over ditches and under things and over things. And, and it's almost like all of those things that we say to protect the dog just get forgotten and lost in translation and it's no wonder so many dogs end up with physical problems later on in life when they've been pushed like that when they're still maturing physically exactly that and I think it's a narrative that really needs to change within the sort of shooting world and maybe that's why dogs are getting to sort of five six and people are saying well that that's them done now because they've been worked so early Maybe they are aging a little bit quicker with their joints and and the load that they've had to take on at a young age. Yeah, because I suppose we could compare it to thoroughbreds, which are another animal that's brought into exercise very, very young. And again, normally by the time they are sort of five or six, they are washed up, they are done. There are very few that will then continue on the journey because a lot of pressure has been put on them mentally and physically at, at a very young age. Yeah, exactly. Um, And I think we need to try and sort of bear in mind that we are, at the end of the day, their carers. And it's our responsibility to look after them to the best of our ability. If you say to a dog that loves to go out working on a shoot, go and retrieve that bird, it's not likely to turn around and say, do you know what, mum? I'm not, I'm sorry, I'm not feeling it today. I'm I'm a bit sore up. You're going to say to them, go out on that bird, and they're going to go, yep. sure I'm going to do it to the absolute best of my ability I will do it as fast as I can and get back to you as fast as I can and I might feel awful after it but I did it because you asked me to so to that end we need to really sort of look at how we 
coat of care for that dog and when we draw the line and how much we push it too early and how much we say actually you, you're getting on now we're just going to ease your work a little bit because I would rather have a happy long life with you than know that I've pushed you too far and I've curtailed your life. I suppose as well the if you're a seasoned handler and you're running a team of a couple of dogs and you've got a young dog and you take it on a stage just in almost in a learn by sit and watch what the other dogs do maybe you've worked on one retrieve it's more a exposure to an environment that's far different to a novice handler and a novice dog and the novice handler trying to live up to expectations whether they're right or wrong that the the sport is set of what that they should be like their dog should be like they may not have another dog to be pulling in they're putting all that pressure on on this age race because we are not making it clear where the lines sit are we because we are not saying actually your your dog have one when you've only been doing this for a year doesn't need to be doing that just yet and if you're going to take another two years getting there that's absolutely fine there's plenty of time you know you never hear that plenty of time you see people in our group where they write social media posts saying oh my god you know my dog's 15 months old I can't do this what am I doing wrong so so worried they are screwing it up and we come back and say plenty of time but that needs to be across all of us doesn't it that needs to be the conversation it's almost like there's peer pressure um I I see it and and I feel like people feel like they're playing catch-up all the time with other people but especially if you are a novice dog handler let's just say that you are and you're on the same social media groups as people that have been doing this 15, 20 years and have a team of eight dogs and you've got one dog, what you just said, Joe, is very, very relevant. So that very experienced person might take a younger dog to experience the day, but without it actually doing anything. But the novice handler might not understand that that's what they're doing. They might just think, oh, right, their dog's one year old and it's out there doing it. It's that mine should be too. And it's like this peer pressure to keep up with the Joneses, isn't it? And and do what everybody else is doing. And it's the dog that suffers at the end of the day. Or you ruin that good dog because you've blown its mind at a young age. And then you're trying to fix a lot of problems. As Sam said, I like Sam's little analogy that she said earlier. I can't remember how many years you said two to nine and nine to two. But I really, really liked that. And I'm going to definitely use that. There's also a lot of peer pressure as a novice handler, um, whether or not you've got a novice dog at this stage, but as a novice handler, they can go to experience the day and it's very easy with all the peer pressures, with the more seasoned people around you that go, go on, just send your dog. It'll be all right. Mm-hmm. And if you're not, if you haven't got enough knowledge or if you're not confident enough, you could end up setting your dog on the wrong path because you yourself have buckled to their superior knowledge. Um, and they may well be able to send a, a younger dog, exactly like Claire just said, for that they might have another dog that they can send for that retrieve should the younger dog mess it up or if they deem it too difficult for that younger dog in the first place but peer pressure is a massive thing and going back to what you were saying earlier joe about social media people will more often than not only put the perfect bits on social media so it's really easy to fall in the trap there of going 
well, they've got a dog that's the same breed as mine, the same age as mine, even looks a bit like mine, and it's so further forward than mine is. It might be in that one area that they are showing on social media at that time, but that's not to say there aren't other areas that are completely falling apart or even that that perfect sit they've just taken a picture of was a complete mess this morning and will be a complete mess again this afternoon. I think we're quite lucky in, in the gundog world that there's a lot of new people coming into the sport and taking it up as a hobby because it's loads of people have got dogs and loads of people have got working dogs now so they're seeing it as a hobby rather than maybe being in the shooting world already the downside to that is i don't think there's enough guidance for people to tell them when and where they should start doing things and they like the girls have said they look on facebook and everyone's an expert on facebook and they'll say, oh, yeah, just give your dog a go or take it to a shoot. And they're, they're making mistakes. And loads of people are taking these young dogs on shoots, making mistakes, and they're not knowing how to rectify what they've done. Um, I think the best comment that I've seen on one of the ladies working dog group tiles, Joe, is the don't compare your page one to someone else's page 20 or whatever it was. Um, but, yeah, I think that's what people are doing. They're seeing all these perfect dogs and trying for me personally we won't sort of recommend somebody starts their let's say formal gun dog training although when I say formal I'm talking beginner stages until a dog is is five six months of age okay so you've got some grounding in there you've got some basics in there some you know sit and stay work some loose leaf walking a nice little recall and a little informal retrieve I won't start formalising with a, with a young gun dog until they're kind of five, six months of age. And it might be later than that if it's a more immature dog. Part of the reason for that, though, isn't just the maturity, although that's a big part of it. It, it is protecting that young dog's growth plates and ligaments and tendons as it's growing and maturing. And when I see people putting videos on social media of young dogs you know doing repetitive outs and backs that always really concerns me because you've got to think when a dog naturally is running around of course they're going to twist and turn and run around but they're doing that naturally it's not a forced thing when we sit a dog up and then we do let's say a back turning you know full round to go the other way the pressure on those ligaments and joints it's a lot if you're doing that repetitively and the problem is once somebody very often when somebody starts training a new thing like the outs and the backs because it's very cool it feels like you're training a gun dog doesn't it when you start outs and backs it's like oh I'm doing outs and backs but when you start doing that people get carried away and they will repeatedly have the dog doing that action and that's when the damage occurs not just doing it once or twice or the dog doing it in the garden messing around but it's when the owner is repeatedly getting that dog to do that action and then when that dog's just a few years of age you've got ligament and tendon problems you know cruciate ligament problems all these other things that can occur because people have seen all this flashy stuff and they just want to be part of it and be doing it because it's exciting and cool, but without considering for any moment the damage they're doing to their young dog. On our social media, on Instagram, we used to be able to have that you could see how many people had commented. And I almost felt that, say now, I don't know, we'd had six or 700 people comment on a picture. If you went back to the original person who posted that picture, who shared it with us kindly, 
they might have had three likes on that. So I knocked off the ability to say how many people have liked something because I thought, I don't ever want to make somebody feel what we do is better than what they do. Because without their putting up with the photo in the first place, we wouldn't have the photo to share with our, our, our larger audience. And this is our sort of thing as well, isn't it? When, as a sport, we stop mentioning dogs' ages and say, this is my dog um, doing a back wheel learned it this week. That's far better than us saying, this is our eight-month-old dog doing this back. Because what we push into other people or what we promote into other people then is something different. And I know why we do it, because... Again, nobody does it out of malice. It's done out of pride because look how well my dog is doing. But then I almost think the more seasoned you are in this, the more you realise that an eight-month dog can be doing it perfectly and a 10-month could be absolutely pantsering and a 12-month could be doing it brilliantly again and a 16-month could tell you to bog right off when you ask for it. So the more seasoned we are, the more we understand that actually the age they first start doing these things is immaterial it's when we can get that consistency exactly it's completely irrelevant as to when exactly what age you started the behavior it's about keeping it consistent and keeping the repetition going provided it is appropriate to the dog's growth and age as Claire was saying earlier if you try to skip ahead too fast if you're pushed by the competition of what you see someone else doing then further down the line in your training you might come to realize that actually you missed some very important steps of your foundations because you were so busy playing catch up with joe blogs next door that you forgot to make sure that earlier behaviors and commands and the reactions that you need from the dog were fully set in stone before you then leapt on when people say how do i know when my gun dog is ready to go on a shoot that's the question you get asked all the time. How do I know when my dog's ready? Well, one, it's got to be physically and mentally ready. Two, you need to have a stop whistle in case you need it. So <laughs> that's important. You might need some directional control. You need a good retrieve. Your dog needs to be okay with game. And, and you know, you don't want to just rock up and go, well, my dog's fine on dummies, so we'll just have birds to give it a go today. It's got to be prepared for that. Got to make sure your dog's, okay with working around other dogs and other people because there's a real thing you know you see so many young gun dogs that they're very gregarious by nature they're very full-on and they haven't maybe even yet learned to have good manners around other dogs and people you can't have a young bouncy labrador running up and jumping up the guns that's not going to go down well so you might have a good skill set in terms of training but You've got to also have a dog that's um, got good self-control as well as good manners, as well as good training, and that's ready physically and maturity-wise. It's got to be ready in all of those elements. Um, So there's a lot of things to consider. Is the dog ready for the job? Not just, can I train my dog to retrieve? We grew up in a small holding, and by probably 10 or 11, my brother could drive a tractor, he could drive a truck, he could pretty much drive anything on the farm because he'd grown up around them all the time. That said, my father never once said, you know, pop down the shop and get some bread because it was a different environment, a different 
set of reactions and behaviours he would need, and it would have been incredible pressure. My father had no problem at all saying to him, chuck a bale of hay on the back, take him out to the horses. He trusted him for that because that was a, an environment where Raymond had been allowed to develop the skills nice and calmly in his own place. He knew what to do. And if we then transfer that same concept to dogs, just because at, I don't know, 30 months old, they are doing things absolutely perfectly every Gundog training lesson we go to, that doesn't mean that they are ready to take themselves into an environment which is by its very nature pressure creating. Absolutely, yeah. You've hit the nail on the head there. Um, and that takes a lot of work. To, to get the dog ready for that takes an awful lot of work and maturity on the dog's part and trust between you and the dog as well. It, there needs to be that trust. You don't want to be rocking up worrying that your dog might do X, Y, and Z. You want to be rocking up going, I feel confident that my dog can cope with this today. Yeah, because if you say to yourself and have that honest conversation, can I... 99.9% hand on heart know that this dog is not going to mess up today because even the best of dogs will mess up. But oh. am I knowing that I'm going out with a dog that's going to do this today? If you even have to think about that a little bit before you answer it, are you even ready? Do you know what I mean? You may be ready to go out and experience and maybe take a dog out, just go out for half a day, just let them see the sights, the sounds, etc. but make it very clear to the to the um, keeper your dog is young and is there to just experience and come away other than actually I'm here to do a full day's work to get a wage um because we don't get paid to do it you know we are there to do a job so is it a case of and instead of all the, the young people and I say young as in young handlers even if you're 60 you can still be a young handler listening to this now and thinking oh actually yeah, this is the best thing I've heard all day because I can stop now panicking that my 14 month old dog is behind the curve I had a conversation with one of my lovely clients recently and she said to me I'm not convinced she's ready based on what the two of us have spoken about I don't think my dog's ready what do you think I said no I'm not I don't think she's ready for this season and the sigh of relief was audible probably for a very long time and she the the owner stepped back and said you know what actually that's taken a whole lot of pressure off I feel I can now go and enjoy my training again because I'm not racing against the deadline of this season I'm fairly certain that she wouldn't mind me saying she's now enjoying her training journey again or more than she was before rather than being in the panic of why didn't that go right I've got to do this I've got to do that I've got to do the other she can now she goes you know what I've got until next year there is no pressure on our heads anymore we can just take it steady take a step back and have fun but that dog in a year's time will be a completely different dog and may be so prepared for that that season and because we run in these seasons I suppose there's a lot of people out on shoots with dogs now who not they're praying for the end of the season but they're so worried every time they go out that the dog is going to get it wrong that they can't wait for February to come and not be able to take the dog out on a shoot. But then in February, we all go, ah, oh, you know, stress off, pressure off, we can go back to training and it can all be a little bit more fun again. And for those who don't go out on an estate, they're probably listening to this and thinking, well, I never have that pressure anyway, which is fantastic for them, but they still do have this overall pressure of, is my working dog far enough along? Yeah, I think I think 
I something you said there, Joe, just sparked something for me. Not everybody listening to this potentially is going to work their dog. However, people feel the same pressures, even taking their dog for a walk. Like literally, is my dog going to recall when it sees another dog? Is my dog going to run up to that person and jump up them? So it doesn't matter whether you're working your dog or not, or what sort of life you lead with your dog. Training your dog is for life. And whatever it is that you do with your dog, that's what you're training for. And that could just be enjoying nice country walks, but you still need a good recall. And it's still nice to have a hobby with your dog that you can enjoy when you're out on walks. So for me, retrieving is a lovely skill to just implement into a walk with my dog because it means that me and my dog are actually doing something together. My dog's not off acting like a hooligan while I'm talking to a friend on the phone. We're we're out enjoying our time together. But, you know, I speak to owners all the time who they, you know, they don't intend on working their dog, but they want to enjoy their dog. And their fear of their dog doing the wrong thing or their fear of another owner maybe being unhappy with them spoils that for them and puts a lot of pressure on them. And building what you just said there, again, social media you've got to love it and hate it all at the same time because without social media we wouldn't have our group and our group is full of wonderfully happy lovely people who support each other but there's also that other sort of thing that if you have bought a working dog as a pet the pressure is still on you to ensure that dog performs as a working dog so not only do we have novice handlers who came into this buying a working dog to work the working dog but we've also got a lot of people a lot of people who bought a working dog have come in and gone hello everybody I've just bought a working dog and they have no intention of doing anything with it other than they're laying on the sofa and there's this sort of onus on them to make sure the working dog can still do everything that a dog going on an estate could do and then you get the ones that have bought the working dog and have as you so nicely put it actually they sort of come over come around the corner and gone hi um i got a working dog and it appears i need to do something with it and it's because they've got what they've perceived to be a well-behaved nicely obedient well-rounded dog as their family pet to enjoy their country walks with they just haven't quite known or understood the amount of work that went in to get that well-rounded nicely obedient working dog um so they've kind of fallen into the gun dog world they want to learn a little bit about the training about what we do about how we do why we do and quite often what age do we do because that's one of the natural progression questions that they're going to ask us because although they might not have any intention of joining the actual physical working community they need to know how to keep their dog mentally stimulated, happy and occupied so that they can then enjoy those country walks. And it is that mental stimulation that a working dog needs because there's a difference between a show lab and a working lab and a show cocker and a working cocker. And a friend of mine, she's a lovely lady, she bought a working cocker and I was like, you need to do something with that dog or that dog is going to get frustrated very quickly. She sort of took on board what I said, but she sort of didn't. And then she sent me a photo probably three weeks later where it had stripped the the hallway of wallpaper. And I was like, 
that dog has to do something. And to be fair, she did then go out and do it. But it is that difference in concept, isn't it? The dog, a working dog's mind must be doing a job. It doesn't have to do a physical job, but it has to be out there doing things that makes his mind work. You, you've hit the nail on the head. And is this that people seem to, it's become very fashionable to buy a working dog. It's become very fashionable to get a working Labrador, a working Cocker. And yes, although they don't need to necessarily work the dog, that dog was bred and developed to do something and have a job. And there needs to be an element of teaching that dog some skill sets that will satisfy its um, innate behaviours, that will bring out the best in that dog. But also that dog also learns needs to learn self-control and how to settle and to relax and be a pet now that's not an easy task and personally and I'm sure Gemma and Sam will say they see the same we are seeing a lot of young and when I say young I'm talking under two years old working gun dog breeds who are literally off the wall because they aren't being given the right balance of mental stimulation training and being taught also how to relax and have self-control and do nothing. And I suppose that's when the age race goes the other way in the fact that regardless of social media, people purchasing working dogs thinking I can train this dog to be a pet in six, seven weeks. They're going to be massively shocked, aren't they? And I think conversely, I I went into the whole working cocker thing with my eyes wide open and saying, yes, I'm going to train it as a gun dog. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And Red, I always say, was born like five years old because he was super serious, even as a puppy. He'd done everything, did everything I asked. And as a result, I made the mistake of probably going on too quick and going, wow, he can do this, he can do this, he can do this. And he was excellent. And then he got to about, I don't know, probably a year, a year and a half old, and he started to go, do you know what? I, I don't really want to do that anymore. And that goes back to the foundation training that I'd skipped through everything so quickly that I hadn't actually cemented everything. And it's taken me, isn't it three, three now, uh, taken me this long to sort of rectify all the mistakes I've made. And it won't be until next year that he starts going out again. So even going into it with my eyes wide open and knowing I had a working breed, you can still make the mistake of going, oh, I got lulled into a false sense of security that my dog was excellent. That's an important thing for people to bear in mind as well. I looked at the uh, document that Emma Stevens provided the group with this week of the cues and commands and like the variance of across those four areas. And I literally went, oh, wow. You think you've got it, but you haven't got it, Jojo, because there is like literally, even if you think about things like a stop, can you do a stop of a whistle? Can you do stop of a hand? Can you do stop of verbal command? You know, there's there's three different variations of stop. Can you do stop by me? Can you do stop at distance? Can you do stop out to the left? Can you do stop out to the right? You know, it's, it's all those things. And I think, yes, we have to build in layers and we have to stop thinking, oh, my God, I must get it, I must get it, I've got to speed up, I've got to speed up, I've got to speed up. You are far better. Slow and steady will absolutely win the race with this, won't it? Yeah, slow and steady. 
um, and at the dog's pace and the handler's pace, age appropriate and, you know, just going with the individual dog and owner is so important for me. Because I suppose the outcome of us not doing it is not just how we make handlers feel or how a handler feels about when we put up a, a tile saying, you know, you've got this or something that, that makes a remark about this topic. We will have so many likes and comments where people are like, oh, I've just had exactly that day where I thought I was failing and they weren't failing anyone. It was part and parcel of the of the journey of their story. But, you know, if you look at children in school, children in school who are pushed too fast become the naughty children. They cannot either cope with the speed of the work or what's being asked of them emotionally. And we are so accommodating of that and we change individual learning plans and we don't have or we try and hope the parents are past the point where we go, use my seven-year-old doing everything perfectly and your seven-year-old isn't. But then we really do have to come to the point to think, well, actually, if I'm going to push too fast, A, the dog's not going to get where I want to get, but also that the dog is going to start showing us behaviours I really don't want to see. Definitely. You've, you've basically just explained that you can create a behaviour that you don't want if you push too fast, push too far, push too hard skip through the foundations it's like Claire said take everything at an age appropriate way that includes the dog's ability and the handler's knowledge and ability and just makes it a harmonious partnership so that you can keep that training going moving forward step by step slowly progressing always moving forward and not ending up with issues because you jumped through you you went from a to m and then on to v and you completely forgot the ones in between and also as sam says expect the unexpected and never that's your quote sam and never ever be afraid to take a step back if if you're if you feel like something's getting shaky just don't be afraid to take a step back and go i'm just going to go back a step in that Let's make that a bit more solid and then move forward again. See, why weren't you telling me this when I got my puppy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and who was telling me with my two? So um, <laughs> we'll, we'll end this podcast episode on that note. If you are a new handler, please be assured there is no age race. Your dog will take as long as it takes. You will take as long as you take. And please know that we are there to help you every step of the way. That's all for this week. And we look forward to speaking to you next week. 